done this thing. Hello and welcome to a brand new show, episode one of a brand new show. Um, if you've come over from one of our other shows and followed us here, hello, uh, good to see you again. And uh, But if you're not, and this is uh, your, your very first flight with us, um, well, where what can we been? say, Ian? Yeah, where have you been? Um, yeah, it's uh, like I say, if you've come over from one of the others, you know our style. If not, it's fairly laid back, fairly irreverent. We mean fairly. <laughs> fairly. Well, we want to keep some of the viewers. And um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you've come along, um, um, you know, expecting an introspective, serious, thought-provoking study of the Hammer films, yeah. uh, you come to the wrong place. Yeah, if you're well, looking for hidden texture and meanings and. Nah. Nah. You'll you'll find out if you stick with us. If you can get past episode yeah. one and stick with us, and you don't know me and Ian, uh, that's Ian and I'm Eric. Um, you'll get to know us in time because yes. what we do is we meander, do we not? We we, we do, waffle, yes. but hopefully you'll get an idea of us and and, well, and think, our backgrounds. Yeah, except I think you right? summed it up years ago on one of our first podcasts, wasn't it? That this is like a chat in a pub. Yeah. Two, two old gits sat in a pub. Everything we're going to talk about yeah. now, you and I could be in a pub talking about it. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. The only well, at least at least it'd be cooler, and we'd have a nice cool drink. Yes, that would be nice. Yeah. It would look a bit odd having show notes. It would. When we whip them out, Ooh, Um But we must stress if if if, you, if you're new to us, right? We are going to take the piss from time to time, but in no yeah. way does that mean that we are. Uh, um, um, you know, being negative. We yeah. love the Hammer films dearly. That's why we're doing a podcast show about the Hammer films. And if we take the piss, we're British, right? It's and also, done. yeah, and it's and you know, we do a Doctor Who podcast. We did a Blake Seven podcast. We're doing a Jerry Anderson podcast at the moment, and we do see failings in things, and yeah. we will call them out. Um, it's not going to. This isn't going to be a fluff piece, is it? Um, no. But if it's our personal like opinion, isn't silly, it? Yeah, it's our personal opinion. If we don't like it, um, we'll say so. If we do like it, we'll say so. Hopefully, uh, we're fair and can justify what we do say. Yes, yeah. And we're going to be quite... Uh, we're going to cast the net quite wide. I mean, the name of this podcast is Hammer Horrors, but we're not just going to be sticking with the Hammer Horror films. We're going to look at their dabs in uh, fantasy uh, science fiction and the thrillers yeah. as well um yeah. just because there is no element of the macabre or supernatural or fantasy to a hammer film we love the hammer films so we, do, uh, yes. we will yeah. be covering them all we might even cover the uh the on the buses and the comedies might we well the we comedies are in. hammer yeah. films you know yes, if it, if it says at the opening a hammer film production yep very good chance we will get round to it at some point you know yeah, well, I mean, that that's going to be interesting in itself, isn't it? Is defining what is a Hammer film, because obviously early on they were exclusive releases. Yeah, but um, you can call them yeah. Hammer films, though. I think you can, yes. You know? Um, so, yeah, that, that that's one thing. It's going to be very strange for Ian and I, in that this is the very first time I think we have ever talked about the a film in one go short of an audio yes. commentary because normally on our shows we are looking at a character in a film and we just yes. discuss their just scenes discuss or on effectively speaking the special effects sequence of a film but never the whole film we've never done yeah. this before have we no so i don't i don't think we'll be like in our doxy one we're 
we'll go into quite in depth on the plot, the story, um, that sort of thing, describe what's happening. I don't think we probably will do that on these films as much. No, but, but when yeah. we're talking Frankenstein films, I think you are a bigger Frankenstein fan than me so i think i think we've got a bit more meat on the frankenstein ones in that you will be able to say well this is comparable to that and this is a swipe from that etc etc you know the other difference we're going to do normally we uh we do this little introduction we have a clip and then we uh discuss whatever we're talking about and then we have all behind the scenes and that but i thought with this show we'll get the behind the scenes out the way first then we'll have a clip, then we'll talk about the film, then we'll talk about the actor and behind the scenes of yeah. the creation of our subject of the day. But before that, and we do this with all our shows, we, episode one, we'll talk about our background, how our history with the subjects, so our history with Hammer Films, and I'm interested to hear your answer because... I think there's a crucial six-year difference in our ages, and I'm interested to hear how you first became aware of this entity called Hammer Films. So how'd you find it, Ian? Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit younger than you. So I've, I don't really remember a time that there wasn't a Hammer film or a, you know, a, a series of films called Hammer Films. And it was very, very loose title. And it generally, when I was growing up, it meant that it would be uh, a bit more adult. Than You're talking about the... blood and tits, basically. Blood, yeah, yeah, blood and tits. Um, <laughs> which is weird because now, when you when you watch it back, there ain't that much, is there? But at the time, it was at radical. the time, yeah. yeah. So, so I've, I've often said before, my my parents were very, 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 very lax on uh, violence. You could watch anything, really. Um, but when it comes to uh, the dreaded SEX, then obviously they, they, especially my mother, she got very, very sort of the slightest hint, slightest hint, and the telly would go off. How were um, they with Benny Hill? Did they allow you to see weird, Benny Hill? Weirdly, Benny Hill and Les Dawson, they were, they were like they had passes that wasn't really being, that was smutty. You know what I mean? And smutty seemed to be okay. It's seaside yeah. seaside postcard yeah, exactly, stuff was yeah. acceptable, you know, wasn't carry it? On, carry on was acceptable. If it was smutty and funny, it was okay. But if it was in even vaguely realistic... Serious smut. Yeah, serious smut. Then, <laughs> and, and Hammer had this reputation very much at the time that, that if you went to see a Hammer film, they were usually ex-certificate and they were usually... They would contain sex... Uh, cleavage, some nudity. Um, so, so generally, we were very, very restricted in the ones we could watch. If it was black and white, you're usually all right. But, but how are you aware of them? How did you know the name Hammer? Had you seen them? Well, I, I, I'm the youngest of um, of uh, three brothers and one sister, so I would hear stories about the Hammer films, the Hammer Draculas. Uh, I was very, very, very much into uh, my Universal monster films. They were fine. Again, black and white, fine. Um, no tits. Uh, no tits. And also the uh, the uh, Alan Frank books. Right. The, the horror books. So you would see all these shots of of these amazing characters and creatures and sets and 
and it'd be oh i so want to watch it so it looks so good and um eventually of course as as time went on these films became tamer and tamer as far as the television showing them so they were on earlier in the night they were sometimes on six o'clock you know the Fu Manchu series was on six o'clock at um on BBC Two so gradually started to watch them but yeah I was always aware of them saw them in magazines saw them in the pictorial history books um and and that was sort of that was the sort of way like I said I, I, one of my earliest memories is Quake Mass in the Pit uh, I love the Quake Mass films. I'm trying to think when I would have first seen Frankenstein. It probably would have been later on because they generally didn't repeat this first one, did they? It was always one of the later ones, like yeah. Frankenstein and the Monster from Hell. I saw that quite young. Were you allowed to stay up? Because that, that, you're talking about <coughs> when the BBC, BBC One were doing the Saturday night double bills, weren't That's they? That's it, yes, yeah. Um, I was allowed to stay up depending. If it was... If the title was a bit risque, so Lust for a Vampire. That's like, out. Ah, that's out, mate. <laughs> Anything Frankenstein and Dracula, generally, okay. Um, I remember not being allowed to watch Scars of Dracula for some reason, even though it's very tame. It's because it had the word entry. Scars. I think it's because it had Scars in it, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very, very hit and miss what we could watch. Um, obviously, as soon as, as soon as VHS became available, I would, you know, go out of my way to try and find Hammer films um, and, and, and caught up. But, um, yeah, I, I, it might have been on, like, a, a Channel 4 Friday night or something that I finally saw uh, Curse of Frankenstein. Because um, okay. they, they didn't tend to show the early ones. You know, same with the Dracula ones. They never really showed Dracula. They always showed Prince of Darkness. Yes, it, it was always Dracula, Rites. Prince yeah. of Darkness. Always. Yeah, yeah. See, that... I, I, I think I'm right. That age gap does make a difference yeah. because if your first exposure, you, you know, to imagery from them is the Alan Frank books, that's a, that gives a date stamp then. So yeah. we're talking like, you know, 76, 77, something yes, like that. Yes, it's been about then, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, my knowledge is a bit earlier to, to you and I don't know if you were too young to have ever known about these or be exposed to them, but when I was, I don't know, 10, so about 72... Uh, there was these th this run of a series of bubblegum cards, and they were black and white, and they had images from the Universal films and the Hammer yeah. films, and they had joke captions. Oh right, I, I've seen them since. I've never I've never had a set. I've seen them since in magazines now, but no, they definitely didn't have them. We that kids. was my first yeah. exposure, I think, to to um, you know horror films. I remember you know Werewolf of London was in there, yeah. um, so that was my first exposure. I think chronologically, the second one was Des Skin's Monster Mag. Did you ever know of Monster no, Mag? It doesn't ring a bell either. No. That is the thing. It's a four sized, and it looks like a regular magazine, but it folds out. It's basically a pa a poster, like an A two poster. Right. folded up so you know you've got pages of text and loads of photos um, but there's only so many pages because basically you've unfolded it and you've got a whacking great yeah, big right. a2 photo and back then in you know the 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 um, just before the mid 70s they got away with so much many things i mean there was a, a, a one of them on the cover you had the um uh the frankenstein film the dave prouse one where Frankenstein's operating on his eyeball socket with his eyeball hanging out 
Yeah. That was on the magazine cover, you know, nice. in your news agents. Um, so that was that. And then I think the next thing after that would have been um, Dead Skin again, the the Halls of Horror, you know, is ha- yes, Hammer yeah, Magazine. I, I used to get that, yes. And that, that was, was fantastic. Was that I mean, 76 onwards. Yeah, I think it, it started 76. Yeah. Fabulous Brian Lewis covers, John Bolton love, covers. I used to buy them for the uh, comic adaptations. And the comic, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was just about to say. I think my first ever understanding of what a Hammer film structurally was like was reading the comic adaptations. Yeah. They, was, they were really good. Uh, yeah. Each issue would, would cover a different film. Um, and some of the artwork was just Well, some of the amazing. artists went on to great yeah, things. I mean, Brian Bolland, I remember Brian yeah. Bolland did the Vampire Circus one. Yes. Um, yeah. And it was far more thrilling than uh, the actual film. That, but, that's the weird thing, isn't it? When you used to read them, and then when you finally saw the film, and it was like, oh, it's not quite as good. We also have to mention yeah. that, yeah, um, and that's a good point. Um, sometimes the stills you would see in the Alan yes. Frank books. Definitely. Go, this is going to yeah. be amazing. I want to see this. And when you finally do see it, it's like, ah. Okay, because yeah. it, it, it's quite it's quite surprising as well. A lot of the stills don't appear in the films, do they? In that no. exact form, they were obviously just taken before they filmed or after they filmed. So sometimes you would you'd finally see a film and you'd go, "Where's that scene?" Yeah, I want that scene. Or especially the stills tended to be a little bit more risque. Yeah, uh, show a little bit more cleavage or boobage right. or. You're reminding me of that still of one of the girls being staked in Dracula AD 1972, and she's being staked just under under the breast. And, uh, yeah, it's quite a clear shot of (laughs) – it's very clear this woman's wearing no bra. Let's put it that way. Yeah, there's a a classic – I can't remember which uh, film it's from, one of the the lust for vampire types, and it's at Stensgard. Yeah, it. And uh, it's her – Oh, sat like bolt a, upright. Yes, yeah, with like a bloody uh, piece of cloth on her chest, not covering much. And it's like you can watch the film all the way through, and it's like, where's that scene? Well, the scene's there, but you, she, yeah, you just, just never see her yeah. sit up. That exactly, was done. Yeah. They sat her up, you know, um, during a break in filming, and it's like pose for the camera, dearie. Yeah, and that's yeah. that infamous photo. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, it's um, it is it's very misleading. Some of the stills. Yeah. Um, well, we'll discuss those as we go, as, as, we, uh, them, as yes. we go through this show, which is a nice little segue into moving us on to uh, behind the scenes. Okay. Right. Yes. So this is behind the scenes. You all know all this already, Ian, and listener as well, but on the off chance, somebody doesn't. So you mentioned it earlier, the Q word. Yeah. They, Hammer had a success with the Quatermass films. Yeah. And of course, being a film studio, you want to keep raking the money in, but they knew that they couldn't keep coming back to the same well of the professor. So you've got to think of other avenues. What can we do? And there was a guy called Jack Goodlatt who was managing director of ABC Cinemas. And he had helped Hammer in the past. He was the one back in 48 who had encouraged them to go into film production rather than just film distribution. And it was him who now come up with the idea of why didn't you remake Frankenstein, right? Because Frankenstein hadn't been seen on the big screen since Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, which was 48. Yeah, not from a major distributor, but certainly there was was Italian Frankenstein films there. Yeah, but down in your local flea pit. Yeah, we we never really got them in this country. Um, Yeah, it's it's interesting that, yeah, Quatermass was their their big hitter. um, And almost instantly, they decided to push 
how far they could clone Quatermass, didn't they, with yeah. X the Unknown. And obviously the estate, or Nigel Neal and, and his estate and very heavy lawyers were like, mm, hang on, hang on. Um, so yeah, the, you can you can understand why they might want to head towards a, uh, a public domain set of characters. Um, and I, I know there was some talk that the two, the, the two choices were either sort of classic literature, because it's a public domain, or uh, the like, the world of Grimm's fairy tales. It would have been amazing if they'd have done some of them. Mm. That would have been really good. But yeah, they went they went with um, the classics, the greats. Um, but that that had its own problems, though, didn't it? As we as we will see in Frankenstein, is that whilst the the uh, original novels and characters are public domain, they couldn't really do anything design wise that might hint at. Uh, Universal, because Universal had very cleverly copyrighted all their makeup designs. It wasn't just that, though. It wasn't just... Because, yeah, it was going to be called Frankenstein and the Monster, and they uh, allowed three... on the nose, that, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> three weeks filming schedule, yeah. black and white, you know, much like the Quatermass films, yes. written by Milton Sabutsky in a hurry. Um, and, yeah, I don't think it's ever been... Uh, printed anywhere this this original script by old Milton but it basically it was a retread of the Universal films yeah. and quite late in the day Universal got wind of it and it's like ah 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 no 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 yeah yeah like you say the the books in the public domain you go anywhere near Jack Pierce's makeup we yeah. will sue you you go <laughs> yeah. anywhere near in addition if you go anywhere near some of the plot devices that we yes. put into Frankenstein or the Frankenstein films, we're going to sue you as well. Yeah, because it's um, I don't know, it, Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus by uh, Mary Shelley is probably one of the most owned but most unread books because it's, it's written in a style that even at the time was hard to follow and read. It's mm. very, 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 very hard read. It's not, not aged at all well unlike, say, H.G. Wells, stuff like that, or Dracula. Um, and it's amazing when you do read it how little the Universals took from the mm. the, the original novel. Um, yeah, you read the novel after yeah. loving the Universal Frankenstein film. You're not going to find an awful lot of the film in there, that novel. No. no, no, not at all. So, yeah, I mean, you know, they scrapped that script. They gave it to Jimmy Sangster. And, um, you know, Jimmy Sangster, because he, he was a production manager, knew just how much money they had, how far that yeah. money would go. And, uh, yeah, he, he, he set about writing a script around the limitations of the company. It's what he did yeah. with Frankenstein. And it, what, what he did brilliantly in Dracula, you yes, know, which uh, is basically just, just jettison an awful lot because they can't afford yeah. it. Well, it, it, it's weird to think that the, the two, at the time, the two massives of the British cinema were Hammer and the Carry On films, and both of them run hand-to-mouth on a pittance. Mm. It generated large amounts of cash, but that was never really ploughed back into the the studios or the films or the next production. So they, they were run really amateur hour as far as budgets, but because they they had such good technical people there, they look, you know, four, five, six times as much as their budget was. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's only when things are pointed out. There's there's a really good um, 
uh, YouTube video that points out all the repeated sets in oh, yeah. in uh, Dracula and um, uh, the reptile, and it it's amazing that when you spot a set, yeah. and you go, ah, oh, hang on, oh, ah, it's that one again. Very, very, very technically brilliant. What they yeah, did. the moat in the moat in uh, in Rasputin is the graveyard yeah. in the reptile. Yes, know? it's, <laughs> it's, like it's just astonishing, and the, these things were made, like you say, very, very short shooting schedule, um, and yet they. They don't feel rushed. No. I tell you what, this changed to Jimmy Sangster, and they did up the schedule to four weeks, from three yeah. to four weeks. Uh, I think the most crucial thing, and it can't be uh, overstated, is the decision to film in colour. Yes. Yeah, because like you said, they, black and white was cheaper. The actual film stock was cheaper. The processing was cheaper. Um, distributing it was a lot cheaper. Um, you didn't have really any worries about, you know, cinemas having trouble projecting it or anything like that. So black and white was better all around. But it it, we, it was just coming into cinema, this this sort of <clears throat> burst into Technicolor and, and trying to compete with TV, which was, you know, for almost everyone was black and white mm-hmm. at that point. Um, and yeah, so they, they went with the idea of colour because... A lot of the uh, a lot of the sort of uh, the film people were worried, weren't they, that that you can get away with stuff in black and white that you won't get away with in color, uh, blood, etc. So there was, yeah, I think there was a bit of trepidation, wasn't there, going to color um, because also the sets have to be, you know, uh, painted completely differently to you yes. to how you would do it in black and white, and there was a very limited talent pool that understood how you coloured sets and costumes without them looking garish or clashing or really unappealing to the eye. Uh, and re-watching this one on Blu-ray, you realise how spot on they get it. it yeah. It's it's very, very nicely coloured. Yep. And, of course, this is Peter Cushing's first uh, yes. lead role up until that point. He, he, he had done quite a lot of notable stuff on TV, uh, but he had never been a lead in a film before, so no. so th- there's a first. And yet they needed a large actor. The call went out for a large actor to play the creature, yes. and um, that's how come Christopher Lee came along. Um, he's six foot five, but Bernard Breslau was considered before him because he was six foot seven. Old Bernard, are you there, Ian? Yes, yes. Oh, no, sorry. I was. I was fascinated. Yeah, um, this this anecdote. Just, I'm trying to imagine it. Imagine it with Bernard Breslau now. Frankie. Yeah, mm, it wouldn't work. No, no, especially with some of the yeah. emoting that you would have to do yes. in the film. Um, I love the anecdote that uh, you know Hammer phoned up Bernard Breslau's agent and said, "How much is he?" And the agent says, 10 pounds a day." Right. So they call Christopher Lee's agent, and the agent said, "Christopher won't leave the house for less than eight pounds a day." So for the sake of two pounds, you've got go. Christopher Lee and not Bernard Breslau. Yeah. I'm not running Bernard Breslau down, no, by no, the way. No, no, he was a very good actor, but I just can't imagine. I don't, I don't think his career would have took off like Chris Lee's did. You know? Do you think that, that there was any concept? This is, the, I think, the very first uh, going off on a meander of this show, Ian. Do you think there was any consideration given when they... Uh, were in production or writing uh, Carry On Screaming that Bernard Breslau rather than being the, the, the lurch butler 
type would have been a Frankenstein monster. Type. I, I wonder. I've often wondered that because he he's sort of he's made to play that sort of Frankenstein's monster classic part, isn't he? Uh, and they sort of almost throw him away as the as the lurch style butler. Um, I think that gives us an idea yeah. of how he would have played it. I think he would yeah, have played the monster so, yeah. rather like the butler. I, I think he would have got a very Gollum esque, not Gollum as in Lord of the Rings, but Golem esque mm. block of wood. To be to be honest, I think you would have got something very very static, very slow moving, not emoting, because um, Christopher Lee. I, I, I've said before, he's not my favourite actor, Christopher Lee. I think he's you, you get a certain performance from him, and that's what you get. But in this one, he's under a huge layer of, of makeup, and he does he does try his best. He's emoting, he's acting, yeah. he's physically acting. I, I think he does a good job in this, and I just can't imagine Bernard Breslau doing it. No, no, no. I think doing it as good. Yeah, I'll take it as it is. Yeah. Uh, one last behind the scenes before we get into the film. I thought you might appreciate this, but uh, there's a cut scene from the uh, the Charnel House yeah. where where he goes to buy the uh, uh, um, eyeballs. Um, there's a cut scene there. Um, one of the uh, people working in the Charnel House, Patrick Troughton. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah, it was filmed, but it was cut wow. out. Does it still exist? I would have thought they would have put it back in that Blu-ray. Yeah, really if it, do. it had a done. It probably doesn't, sadly. Mm. No, knowing, um, knowing uh, Hammer, if they if they filmed it but then decided before printing that they weren't going to use it, they would have saved the money on printing it. It probably yes. never got printed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right, then. So that's behind the scenes out of the way. So let's get into it. Yes. More than a hundred years ago, in a mountain village in Switzerland, lived a man whose strange experiments with the dead have since become a legend. A legend that is still told with horror the world over. We've only just started, just opened the door. But now's the time to go through that door and find what lies beyond it. But don't you see, Paul? We've discovered the source of life itself, and we've used it to restore a creature that was dead. This is Frankenstein, who revolted against nature, who experimented with the devil and was forever cursed. His unwilling collaborator was Paul Kremp. I can't prove you murdered, but I can stop you using his brain. Why? He has no further use for it? Don't be a fool! Be careful! Go down it! Only two women ever entered this house of evil. Elizabeth, come back! Elizabeth, the lovely cousin who had promised to marry him, and Justine, the maid, who kept passionate and secret rendezvous with her master. Won't you understand you're in real danger? What Victor is doing is dangerous to everyone in the house. Now, you cannot possibly conceive what dreadful thing he's planning to do. What are you trying to tell me, Paul? That Victor's wicked? Insane? Wicked? Insane? Evil? Call Frankenstein what you will. A demon had made a man-made monster. And now, the monster was the master. Paul, what are you going to do? For your sake and to protect Elizabeth, I've so far kept silent. But now I shall go to the authorities and have them destroy that creature. 
and see that you pay for these atrocities. No! Um, this opening caption where it actually tells you about, you know, the back history of uh, Baron Frankenstein. I know it's 10 years since there have been a Frankenstein film, but surely people knew the story of the Baron still at I, that point. I would have thought so, yes, because the um, the Universal just started appearing on television, in the, certainly in America in the 50s and uh, in the UK in the 60s. Um it was the monster craze in America, the the era of um, the uh, Aurora kits. Uh, it was it was a big thing. So I imagine most most people were. I got a feeling this is more of a sop that this is literary. It's not. Mm. It's not. Uh, we're not. We're not. You know, uh, taking the mickey. This. This is. Look, it's got. It's got a. Uh, it's got a caption at the front. It's literary, and I do like this caption where it says a hundred years ago. Blah 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 blah. Um, and just yeah, fills in the plot uh, for mm. some weird reason. Mm. I like in the opening credits it says and Christopher Lee as the creature, and that's yeah. because Universal again said you can't yeah. call it a monster. Yes, it, uh, we've got I, I the quite, Frankenstein yeah. monster. I quite like that that they they couldn't do that because I I've always thought in the Universal is where they end up just calling it the monster. It's like um, judgy. Yeah, no wonder, no wonder he's grumpy. Um, but yeah, yeah creatures I, I, better. We're all creatures. creatures. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cre- creatures not quite as judgy. Um, we get immediately a, a rather nice painting, don't we? Of the that's Les Bowie. Les Bowie. Yeah, yeah it's a matte really painting nice. of Les that yeah. Les Bowie did at the top of the mountain. It it it's it's hard to see, but a, a couple of the graveyard shots later on they are matte paintings as well, yeah. and that's by Les Bowie as well. Yeah, it um, it's an old technique, but it, it opens up your your uh, your scenery, doesn't it? It makes it look more grand. Mm. Um, and yeah, the, the other thing that's great in this opening sequence because it's basically uh, a priest is going to comfort. Uh, a, a, we we think it's an unknown person, but it's obviously you know anyone could guess it's Frankenstein. I mean, the story is meant to be about him. Mm. But uh, yeah, this priest going to visit the the jail, uh, and the sets are really nice, mm. really nice. They're a bit plain, but really well done. Um, and yeah, we uh, we get our first glimpse of uh, of our the dishevelled. Is baron. he a hero? I don't know. <laughs> our protagonist. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, Peter Cushion with a stuck on beard. He looks really good with a bit of a beard. Going. Yeah. Yeah. Really it's quite jarring. We're so used to him being yeah. immaculate in everything. Yes. Yeah, I, I can't. I was trying to think of any other film where he has a beard, and I couldn't think of any. Now, there is one. He's got a goatee in um, um, She, hasn't he? Yes. And I and think in The Abominable Snowman. Yeah. But I, I, he looks really good. He's got really good cheekbones, so a beard suits him really well. But um, yeah, this, this annoying priest has turned up. <laughs> annoying priest. Um, you know, uh, wait for the sequel. <laughs> Bloody priest. Um, and yeah, Frankenstein sort of 
he, I think he's come to hear his confession, isn't he, before he gets executed? Well, he Frank thinks he's going to hear his confession, but, but Frankenstein's like, no, I've got to tell you my story. Nobody else will believe me. You, you've got yeah. to believe me. This is the truth. I think it's a bit late, uh, your defence for a murder. is a bit late the morning they're going to take you to be um, yeah. executed. I think you might have you might have missed your window of opportunity now, Frankie mate. Um, but yeah, he he starts. Luckily, we don't get the wibbly 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 flashback. We practically stuff. get it though, yeah. don't we? But yeah, we um, we get a flashback, uh, and this this is a weird little section, is because we've got Melvin Hayes, the wonderful wonderful Melvin Hayes, as young Frankenstein. It always throws me because yes, yeah. Melvin Hayes to me, he's part of the Cliff Richard bunch. He's in um, some holiday and stuff like that. He's yeah, in, well, he's me, in yeah, to sitcoms. me, he's Bombardier Beaumont. <laughs> That's, yeah. I just see him as that from it. Ain't half up man. But what I don't understand is they've they've cast a younger actor. I think I, I want to say it was possibly his first role, his first film role, something like that. There's a really good interview of him on the on the disc where he sort of talks about uh, meeting Peter Cushion and that and trying to copy his mannerisms and he's really good mm. and then for for paul the other character it's just the guy the same actor without a beard i uh, where is it where is yeah. it I, I've, I've written it down, down here somewhere yeah they show the passing of time by him growing a mustache yeah. Yeah. and then a goatee yep it's it's mm. terrible I, like if you if you weren't going to cast them both as younger actors why bother why not just have peter cushion I didn't look to see if he changes his clothes as well. I, that's a good point, actually. I want to say he probably doesn't. He doesn't even change his hairstyle. No, no, it's just a bit of facial hair. Yeah, and it, yeah. it basically this entire scene is to set up uh, that that uh, Frankenstein is the the Baron, even though he's young. I think he's meant to be fifteen or something, and he hires Paul to be his tutor. Mm. Um, which is, is in what biology well, that, physics? That's what I don't understand because in the very next scene, when we we flash straight forward to the present, hundred years ago, um, Frankenstein's so far ahead of Paul. I don't know what he was tutoring him in. He he definitely has eclipsed him, hasn't he? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, this this Paul character is a bit bit of a strange addition, isn't he? Uh, to the story, he's there for to explain the plot to, uh, and to Tutton grimace a bit. Um, but yeah, Frank, we cut straight away forward. I don't know what the point of that whole introductory scene was. So it gave Melvin Hazer to show a it job. took a long time for him yeah, to learn could, the knowledge. Could be. But you could have you could have covered that in a. I mean, Hammer are usually so economical, aren't they? Hmm. They won't show a scene if they don't have to. And I just wonder, was this meant to be bigger? Were we meant to get other? But also, we get the setup yeah. of his cousin Elizabeth. We That's see true, El yes. Elizabeth at the time as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, Peter Cushing replaces Melvin for this uh, attempt of turning a, a toy puppy yeah. into a real one. Well, it's it's, it's awkward this because it, yeah, when it's when it's obviously underwater, it's obviously a toy one. But then it's obviously a real, presumably drugged mm. puppy. When they're dowsing it with water, yeah. how did they knock it out? Yeah, I can't no, believe that. that no. mm. Mm, All right, we, yeah, it's moving swiftly on from the poor dog. Yeah, so you know that Paul's amazed by it, uh, but yeah. Victor's like, no, it's not enough to reanimate. Re yeah, We've got to create. This, this is really weird, isn't it? Because the dog's dead, and they've managed 
somehow to reanimate this dead dog, which is amazing in itself. That's world changing, isn't it? Yeah. To be able to bring something back from death. Amazing stuff. And um, all Paul wants to do with it is submit a paper. It's like, this is, this, this is the paper, so this will make us sort of famous thing. And it's like, you've, you're changing the world here. But then Frankenstein goes the other way, totally opposite, doesn't he? And he's like, yeah, bringing something back to life isn't enough. I want to create life where life wasn't there. But I don't, his reasoning doesn't appeal to me because he's not making that body. It's they, all those component parts of the body were alive. Yeah. So what's the difference between reviving the dog and reviving two dogs sewn together? Yeah. It's yeah. No difference. So he, he's a bit, he's a bit up himself there. He's going, uh, I'll bring life to that which was never alive. It's like, it was yeah. alive, man. Yeah, they were just separate bits. Yeah. Yeah. It's um. But Paul's having none of this, is he? He's like, no. Nah. Paul That's does this far. throughout the rest yeah. of the film. He's having none of it, but he stays around. Yes. Yeah, he... Um, well, he, he he's on about going, isn't he? Because uh, Frankenstein's saying he wants to create the perfect man. Um, and then he immediately goes, oh, there's a, a highwayman hanging in a gibbet. That would be a good start. It's like, you've gone from the perfect man to, well, that'll do. Yeah. It's, it's there. So we get some scenes, again, very, very reminiscent of the James Whale version of Frankenstein, where they go and cut down a, a body on a, in a gibbet. That um, was the first shot of the yeah. film, that was. Was it? Mm. Then yeah, cutting yeah. down that body. Yeah. That's weird. I wonder where it was that in case Peter Cushion fell off. <laughs> do, it, do it now, and then we can replace it. Um, but yeah, they, they gather the body, and they, uh, they sort of cobble a little bit together and Paul's like looking at the body like now nah, I'm off but then as he leaves uh, Elizabeth turns up yeah oh and just Paul, before Elizabeth uh, yeah changes his mind yes dirty boy um no but before he decides to go um you know we have this scene um uh, that the script says that you, you, you know that the eyes are gone and you know half of yes, his head is great, missing great scene. and and th- this sets out you know, hammers, you know, uh, intent to shock because we yes. don't see the head cut off, but we have this shot. Peter Cushing's working on something, but yeah. then he brings his hand up and he wipes it down the front yeah. of his tunic. So you get a blood smear. Yeah. And that is deliberate, isn't it? By a hammer oh, to be shocking. This is to shock. And and also the dialogue, isn't it? Because um, he gets the knife and Paul goes, well, what are you going to do? And he goes, well, take the head off. It's no, it's no good to me. Uh, and that's the attitude, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's shock. Yeah, try and shock. You compare it to um, to uh, like say the James Whale version, where you never see anything. Um, yeah, it's it is it it's tame now, but it was hard stuff. Yeah, fifty seven. Yeah, I'm a bit confused by something. I mean, you know, you were saying earlier about you know um, you see stills and you don't see it in the film. And there is that still of uh, Peter Cushing holding the severed head just before he yeah. puts it in the acid bath. And perceived wisdom is that scene doesn't exist anymore. But on my Blu-ray, you do see him holding the head. You don't yeah. see it go into the acid. You hear the acid sizzling. So is it a case of people were wrong and that's the excised scene put back in? Or there was more of the shot of the head dissolving I, in the acid and that's the thing that doesn't exist i anymore. think there probably was was 
pickup shots closer, different angles, because it's he picks picks up hair, well, he wraps it up off screen, carries it over, and then sort of puts it in, and it's it's sort of all medium to long shot. There's no close up, no. so I wonder if they've done pick up close up shots, and, and then that's for some the reason, bit that's thought, missing. Yeah. Right. Um, I have to ask, why have a, a a bath sized thing of acid just sat there? Yeah. That seems a health and safety nightmare. Below a me. skylight as well. Below what a could skylight, possibly yeah. go wrong? Yeah. A question, another question for you is uh, this, you know, tank of embalming fluid or whatever it is, why wrap the body in bandages before putting uh, it in there? Well, I suppose the answer is suspense. Uh, probably Chris Lee went, I'm not stripping off. Mm. Um, but again, I, I think it's some, some of these bits do, does sort of steer dangerously close to the universal creation sequence and the bandages we don't quite get the, uh, the you know, the arc generators. Um, because again, in, in um, the original novel, the whole creation stuff is is a hand wave mm. of somehow, <laughs> somehow I revived and created the body. Um, yeah, but he's all, he's all bandaged up. I, th- I think there's a little bit of, it creates suspense, doesn't it? Because everyone's going like, what, what's the creature going to look like? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Reveal. True. True. Um, Victor says the hands are the hands of a you know. No wonder he's a highwayman with hands like yeah. this. Then he, hands. Yeah. And then he a little light bulb comes on. He's yeah. like, I'm off. I'll, I'll be back yeah. in a couple of days. And off he goes. That's right after that we meet Valerie Gaunt. Yes. As as the maid Justine, and then yeah, Hazel Court. Yeah. Pops up as Elizabeth, who's come along to live there. Yes, yeah. So she's uh, she 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 was promised to Frankenstein as an arranged marriage, um, and he, he looked after her and her mother. And their cousins. That's a their bit, cousins. Oh, always a bit weird. But, yeah. You know, Europeans, eh? Yeah, dodgy people. Um, meant to be in Switzerland, though. This. It is Switzerland. Yes. yes. Not been reading in Switzerland. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Yeah, and then go to Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, drink, yeah, most expensive place to live in Europe, isn't it? Absolutely is. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, going there, there next year for my honeymoon. Oh yeah, yeah. Really yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, what was we talking about? Oh yeah, Elizabeth. So yeah, she's turned up. Um, I do love that Frankenstein keeps nipping off. It's like he's nipping off to IKEA to get body parts, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and my, I love it that he comes back with a fresh pair of hands in chip paper. It's like, it's All like, the way through this. What yeah. about refrigeration? I you know. know. Yeah, it's like no, no refrigeration whatsoever. When he goes and gets the eyeballs, he just puts them in a, a half-filled jam jar. Yeah. It's just amazing. But yeah, he gets these uh, hands out. And again, I think it's definitely a, ha-ha, look at this, severed hands. But they do look a bit fake. Oh, you can see the seams yeah, on Blu-ray. Exactly, you can yeah. see the seams. They're just two rubber hands, aren't they? And and yeah, they're from a, a dead famous and dead sculptor from Leipzig. Yeah. The world, the world's most famous sculptor. But what's that um, got to do with your hands? I don't know. Well, this. I mean, I your can't skills just blame... not in your hands. It's what you do with your hands. I can't. I can't. Well, I can't just blame this film because the Universals did the same. But there's this really weird uh, idea that that you are your soul and your body is just matter and that somehow your soul needs these 
delicate hands to be able to sculpt because he, he sort of he constantly says about giving them these and uh, body parts so that they'll be the best of it like say it makes no sense because it's your brain that's doing it yeah um it doesn't really matter what your hands are exactly as long as you've got them yeah as long as you got them yeah uh, can I just mention when 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 he comes back from Leipzig? That is a fabulous green coat he's wearing. Yes, he's got a love. I mean, he's got some lovely uh, clothes in this. Really yeah. nice. Um, he wears the same <laughs> the same um, frock coat, lab coat uh, throughout it. So that must stink. It's still got all the blood stains on yeah. it from earlier. Yeah. Um, um, we also find out he's having it off with Justine the cad, yes. isn't he? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's having a bit of. Uh, understairs fun isn't he yes with justine the maid who is the only one in the story that's putting on any sort of swiss accent yeah um no one else is bothering she for some reason does this swiss accent i like old valerie yeah. gaunt i think she gets overlooked yeah, yeah. in in, in she in always does female as, actors yeah she always gets else. overlooked as uh as hammer totty doesn't she yeah um, but yeah she um she rather foolishly believes frankenstein's gonna marry her um, I, I sort of think she's probably got herself to blame there. Yeah, yeah. yeah no. Next, we've got the charnel house scene where he gets the eyes, as you say, into a jam jar. Yeah. I, I mean, it's radical for the time to have that close up of the uh, of the eyeball like that—a yeah, real I mean, eyeball. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously not a, a human eyeball. No, it would have been a sheep's or yeah. something like that. Yeah. But uh, that that was cut out for the American release. Yeah, that right. was just too strong for the Americans. Wusses. <laughs> I yeah, love Victor says to Paul, I've done nothing wrong, just a bit of grave robbing. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is... A little bit of grave robbing. Scientists do it all the time. <laughs> I mean, this is, the, this is the parallel with the universal Frankensteins, how Victor is driven yes. to the extent that he can justify his actions and, you know, and, and just, you know, live with anything yeah. as long as it's, it's well, a means to an end. What's, what's interesting is um, to a certain point in this film... You sort of you sympathise with Frankenstein, don't you? You go, it was a, a you know it was an unenlightened time. He's a scientist. He's trying to progress science. Oh, he's just killed the maid. Um, yeah, there's a certain point where you're you're totally sympathetic, and it's like, come on, you can do it. Come on, do it. And then he he just steps up too far, and then he's totally gone. Mm. He's at that point, and, and Peter Christian plays it superbly. Yeah, he he doesn't see he's doing anything wrong. He's a real sociopath in this. Yeah, um, to the point where he he knows that Paul fancies Elizabeth. He's shown Elizabeth no uh, love whatsoever, and I think he's happy that Paul's about because it sort of keeps her distracted. And it keeps Paul around. Yeah. for him to gloat to. Yeah, he, he says to Paul, "I'm nearly finished. I just need a brain now." Where did he get the new head from? Because we never see him no. get another head. No, I presumably he got it from somewhere. I do love that he's, when he's talking about the brain, again, this weird idea, he goes, um, uh, if we put an, uh, uh, an evil mind in it, it'll have an evil face. Yes, and you've got a kind. Yeah, kind, a kind, kind mind, mind, it'll have a lovely kind face. And I think this is where, he, um, this is where you, you lose sympathy for him because he invites that lovely old professor over. Yeah, this is where he goes from driven to evil, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, this is this is where he crosses the line from had the had the professor died of a heart attack randomly, yeah, and he used his brain. You could still go, okay, I can, you know, he don't want to go to waste. But this is 
he outright murders this old professor. When he takes Although, him up the stairs, yeah. he knows well, the, what he's going to do. Yeah, he's, he's doing it. But the professor's got a little bit to blame because he's in a film and he's basically doing the, I've only got a week left to retirement. Because <laughs> he, he goes up and he goes, oh, thank you for, for inviting me over. I've got no family to miss me when I'm gone. I've got <laughs> no one that will notice. And you can almost see Frankenstein's little eyes lighting up. So, oh, yeah, yeah. we're in here. And then I love it. He goes, uh, uh, look at this picture. Uh, stand back a bit. Yeah, you appreciate it more if you stood back yeah. a bit. Look out, Professor Push. That's a fall and a half, though, isn't it? That's Fucking stunt awesome. man. I almost no, probably it's, swore it's then. It's worth it. It's worth man, swearing about. That stuntman lands on his head. He yeah. actually lands on... That's a man. That's not a dummy. Yeah, that's no, no, a no, stuntman landing uh, on his head. You can see the floor move. So, obviously, it's a, it's a fake floor. But he yeah. lands on his head. Well, Anne was sort of half watching at this point. She saw him hitting things. She was like, bloody hell, that's a real person. I mean, you can see there's a bit of padding. It's not a solid floor, but even so, that's enough to snap your neck. Yeah. Yeah. And graciously, Victor allows the professor to be interred in the Frankenstein family vault because he's got no family. Yeah. And it's good because it's it's handy. I love that scene where after the funeral... Uh, he just goes in, props the coffin up. Yeah. Right, you've got no sense of uh, of cleanliness or anything on this. I reckon the monster would have died of gangrene shortly <laughs> yes. afterwards anyway. And again, no refrigeration as well. Yeah, and very, very much, again, implied, but implied gruesomeness. Yeah. Which you just wouldn't have got in films before this. Don't you think that dummy brain, when we see it in the jar, it looks a bit small for a yeah. human brain? It, it does. Um, perhaps that's there's something about the professor. Yeah, mm. maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, he, he takes the brain out, and then um, Paul comes in and realizes what he's doing, and and kicks off again. Um, and then in the, in their scuffle, I love the brain in a sack <laughs> just gets whacked against it again. Frankenstein put it in a jar or something. You know what yeah, I mean? Do, yeah, put in something protective. Um, and the fact that after whapping it against the wall and it going <laughs> really horrible noises, he decides, oh, I'll use it anyway. Yeah, he's just going to pick the bits of glass yeah. out, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, it'd be fine. Yeah. It'd be fine. And next we get the first ever hammer thunderstorm as, yes. as, as Victor is making ready. I love all the contraptions. They're not up there with the James Whale ones. but no, no, uh, no. no. But they are, this is um, This sort of set the blueprint uh for films going forwards where if you wanted to show science was happening, you add colored beakers. Mm. And I think this, I can't remember anything before this that would have, would have done this. So yeah, whenever you see a film and it's like, we're doing science and it's colored beakers and colored test tubes probably owes it to this film. Yeah. 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 Um, he goes off to get Paul because the machinery machinery yeah. apparently has to be operated by two people. Yes. Um, draw back that Frankie mate. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he's left the monster, sorry, the creature on the boil. Yeah. The, the liquid all drains out of the tank, and that's when lightning hits the machine. Yeah, the, the creature is created accidentally. Yeah, yeah, Victor's got nothing to do with it. No. And, uh, yeah, and we have a classic moment of Hammer next when Victor goes back, hears the crash, opens the door, and we get that odd, cranked-up, yes. juddery it's... zoom in on the creature. It's not, not quite there with James Whale's three-shot reveal of Karloff, 
Um, it is a good reveal, but I just wish they hadn't have overcranked when he whipped. I'm presuming there must have been there must have been difficulty in Chris Lee getting that tea towel off his face. Yeah, and they've gone oh, speed up a bit. It's a little bit slow doing it. Um, what do you think of the creature? It's it's all right in long mm. shot. He's fine, yeah. and especially this first version where he's all in the robes like a like a mummy. Um, but close-ups you look at stills it's obvious that they're, they're like joke scars you get from the joke yeah. shop aren't they it's, it's very it's unsubtle isn't it well there's a um, reason for that and yeah. behind the scenes on the creature uh, uh, uh we'll talk about that but yeah. it, they're giving it their all oh peter cushing's struggling as as oh, the God, creature yeah. lifts him up yeah uh, and he's gonna throttle him to death isn't he yeah he's a very uh physical creature this one um, and his immediate, because I presume he's got uh, the damaged brain in him, uh, his immediate thought is to kill Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, luckily, uh, Paul comes in. And, hits him with uh, a chair. Hits him with a chair. And uh, we get that r- rather nice little bit of acting from Chris Lee where he's like, what, what, what? oh, I'm going over. Yeah. And then falls over. Um, but then almost immediately the creature escapes, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, because um, yeah, Victor says he, Victor says to Paul, "It's all your fault. You damaged yeah. the brain. If this hadn't happened, you would have presumably would have had the professor talking away in yeah. Christopher Lee's body." Go in. Hang on, you're the git that uh, pushed me off me. that. Perhaps ledge. that was. Perhaps that's what. Perhaps he wasn't a violent creature, but the professor's brain recognised. Yeah. Frankenstein pushed him off the ledge. Yeah. So we but, might be underestimating him. It gets better though, doesn't he? Next day, he's got up and he's yeah. gone out. And uh, and um, you know, as brain damaged as this uh, who, who creature is, him? yeah. Where did he get the clothes from? Yeah, he because um, we see him when he falls to the floor after Paul hits him. He's in the bandages, and but then when we see him wandering about Black Park, he's uh, he's got this lovely jacket on, um, trousers. He's he's fully dressed. Yeah. So I just I wonder who dressed him now. Jimmy Sangster says he never saw the James Whale film. He just read the yeah, book, right? I don't believe that. But at this point with the yeah. blind man, yeah. his grandson is down by the lake. Yeah. And that In an looks almost to me... shot for shot. Exactly. Yeah. The trees, exactly Marie where it was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the point where I think that's what that's what the film is going, isn't it? It's going... Uh-huh. You know what's happening. You know what's coming. You've seen James Wales's version. I don't believe Sangster didn't watch it. I mean, there's no way. There's no way you're given a film to do a Frankenstein and you don't watch the most famous version. But back in the fifties, how would you watch it if it's not on TV? Can you go along to Universal yeah, and just, say, "Can yeah. we borrow a print?" Yeah, you I could suppose. have just rented a print. And well, they're all it. in Wardour Street. He literally could have yeah. walked two minutes down the road, knocked on Universal's door, say, I'm from Hammer, can we have a 35 mil print of Curse of Frankenstein, yeah. you know? And they'd have gone, yeah, right. Yeah. It's two and eight. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we get we get uh, various bits that, are, again, are cobbled from the Universal, so we get the, instead of the, the blind um, priest, we get a blind walker instead of Maria. We get the walker's grandson. This is right. I quite like this because it's this is the I think one of the few scenes where there's genuine tension that still works. So when when the Frankenstein creature walks towards uh, the blind granddad and he realizes someone's there and he's trying to push him off, 
and he gets knocked over and he's crawling away. And then Chris Lee's just walking towards him slowly. Really tension-filled, that. Really and good. I like the way yeah. the pantomime acting of of Christopher Lee. It's almost like he's a puppet. The way he's... Yeah. I got his arms hanging at the side. He he's not used to to, to moving yet, is he? No, it's it's, it's a really good performance. Um, it, it is a highlight of this film. I think Chris Lee's performance in it, yeah. Chris Lee and, and uh, Peter Cushion, of course. Um, but yeah, this is this is the most universal style. You could see this in any of the Universal movies. Um, but it's a little bit, a little bit sort of uh, again a little bit more gruesome in its tone because he does kill the the granddad and, and the boy the kid yeah, yeah you see the satchel you have yeah. a clear shot of the satchel he does kill the blind man yeah. and his grandson because whereas the uh, the Karloff creature was killed by accident this one just seems to be on a bit of a murder spree um i do like that uh, paul and, and victor catch up and Victor's like no no I've sent for help yeah and Paul just believes that, that'll be along in a minute yeah. yeah but Paul shoots him doesn't he it's a very bloody yeah, scene very, that is. Again, yeah very very gruesome for the time shoots him in the eyeball yeah and yeah. apparently some of that fake blood got into Christopher Lee's oh, eye and he yeah, wasn't too happy imagine. about that Ooh. I mean it's a good scene it looks great um, and at, at this point the creature's dead yeah well they bury him yeah. in the forest yeah. don't they yeah I, I do like that it's like um this this total glossing over is like two people have been killed. We'll just bury the person that does it in a very obvious grave. Yeah. Um, and then uh, again, Paul, because he's an idiot, just that he trusts Frankenstein at that point. And it's like, yeah, okay, it's all over. I'm off now. Yeah, he leaves because he thinks yeah. Elizabeth's no longer in any danger yeah. because the creature's dead. Yeah, but of course, Frankie goes back, digs up the creature. Um, does uh, a lovely but, bit of uh, brain yeah. surgery. Yeah, but then we get yeah. the scene with him and Justine where yes. she tells Victor that she's carrying his child. And it's yeah. like, well, it could be anyone in the village. He's a charmer, isn't he? He's, he's, yeah, he's a, real, uh, he's a real catch, isn't he, Victor Frankenstein? Yeah, he, she says it's, you know, yeah, I'm pregnant. And he's like, well, it could be any man in the village. You're not, you're not pinning that on me. And also, if you are, what do you expect to get out of it? It's my word against yours. And yeah, she makes the mistake of saying she's yeah. going to tell the authorities what he's been up to. And he's like, well, you've got no proof. And yeah. uh, then she makes another mistake by going to the lab to get the proof. Yes. Um, I do like this, that up on his mantelpiece, he's got a guinea pig and a mouse. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> do you think they were past projects? I reckon so. I reckon they're little Frankie pigs. Frankie pigs. Frankie pig or Frankie mouse. Was that your um, cat? No, so I think some kids outside. Oh, okay. Hopefully, Frankenstein's monster will turn up and drive them off. Yeah. And she meets the black-eyed Chris. Yes, uh, and again, this is a very strong scene, isn't it? You've got a pregnant woman who is basically been abused and is innocent and all this, and again, Frankie just locks her in, yep. knowing that the creature will kill her. Yeah. We hear a what, scream. Yeah. What would have happened if he'd have come back? half hour later and they were just sat chatting playing cards yeah playing cards what would he have done then mm, um that in all the uh in all the uh, when i when i was reading about frankstone before seeing it everyone everyone says that this this scene cut from uh justine being murdered to frankenstein saying pass the marmalade mm. 
is some sort of comedy gold. It's it's not, is it really? I don't I don't it, think it takes were. it takes yeah. too long. Yes. Um, we hear the scream and then there's quite a pause. It's like fifteen yeah. seconds before he says it. If it had been a bit quicker, yeah. I mean, on on one of the documentaries, Jimmy Sangster says that uh, a way when you've been building up the tension uh, to break the tension, put in a funny line, and it, it's a funny line. But I can't believe it brought the house down like he no, says. No, I can't. Yeah, I can't imagine people were performing at this in the cinema. Like I say, it, it's not it's not edited tightly enough to do that. No, I mean, um, I think John Carpenter, he, he, he's famous for doing it. I mean, you know, yeah. the, um, you know, at the end of the thing where the creatures roar in, he goes and fuck you too. Yeah. Um, you know, Palmer's, you've got to be fucking kidding with the spider head thing after the intense thing. Yeah, you do do that. You do it to break the tension, yeah. you know, and bring the audience down a bit, but not to the degree it brings the house down. Exactly. And then we get a very weird, which I imagine is sort of filler, um, totally irrelevant scene of uh, the the Elizabeth's parents at the, practicing for the wedding and drinking punch and yeah this is like for, they've got some sort of party what? the night yeah. before the wedding is that a thing in Switzerland a hundred years know, ago but we, we we've not seen these people before we never see them again no but what this is like pure I mean it's quite it's quite amusing but it's such a weird scene to put in hmm it's the sort of scenes they would put into live telly so to give the actors time to run across the studio for the next scene. Yeah, but this isn't live telly. But no, exactly, yeah. It's very strange. Hmm. Paul arrives, doesn't he? He's yeah. come for the wedding. And, uh, yeah, and Victor's chuffed a bit, so I've got something he to show you. He seems genuinely pleased to see Paul, doesn't he? Which is yeah. weird. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come and see what I've done. And and yeah. there is this rather pathetic creature oh, with its shaved you really, head. You really feel sorry for it. You get the feeling that Frankenstein's really abused it to, he, to calm it He's down. really good, Christopher yeah. Lee, in this part, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, he's really, it's very good. Um, but yeah, Paul Paul can't believe it. Um, he, he's like, I'm going off to the police. Yeah, and Victor's trying to stop him, and while that's yeah. happening, Elizabeth goes to the lab. Yeah, having a bit of a snoop. She doesn't see the creature. The creature sees her. For some reason, he's gone on up to the roof and he's peering yeah. in through the skylight. Well, it's, it's weird then because he's unrelated. He he tests his uh, his chains to the wall, and they unfortunately the beams are made out of balsa wood, so the, yeah. the the bolt comes straight out. And he's like, "I'll go off. I'll go to the roof," and then he's just like some sort of weird voyeur peering in. Yeah. Um, it's a bit strange. Um, they do use that to set up again the there's an acid bath under that window. Yeah, yeah. Which is, is great. Um, so uh, he, uh, the, the creature grabs uh, Elizabeth. Well, no, she, then, she goes up onto the roof because she hears yeah. something. Yeah, she, she hears she she hears him and sees some movement through the sky. So she takes so her she lamp and she yeah. and she goes up onto the roof we see her place the lamp down so that's relevant yeah. that's impo- yes, that's going to be important that. the music is great because it's building up all the suspense yeah. uh, and she's grabbed by the creature now presumably i'm sure hazel court turns around and sees the creature but from at the end of the film it turns out the only two people that yeah, ever no, saw yeah. the creature was victor and paul yeah but she screams at him so i imagine she did see him perhaps she being a, 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 a lady uh, her brain couldn't take it and wiped it. Um, I do love this, that Frankenstein 
he's got a shotgun, uh, a rifle, and the, the creature grabs Elizabeth. So he tries to shoot the creature and shoots Elizabeth in the shoulder. Yeah. It's so funny. It's like, oops. Um, and then he shoots the creature, but the creature's sort of shrugging it off at this point. See, he didn't, he didn't uh, follow Paul's excellent example, shoot him in the head. You shoot him in the other eye. Well, yeah, we always learn this. Any sort of film with a creature, shoot it in the head, and then shoot it again. Double yeah. tap. But um, he doesn't, so he, he doesn't, keeps no. coming. Yeah, so uh, he uh, he throws the the lamp at it, um, and he goes up like a Roman candle, doesn't he? Yeah. So it's a really good fire at stunt. It's obviously not Chris Lee. No. I, I don't know who the stuntman was. I bet he I said it he was paid. him, though. Yeah. I, I was in the most number of fire stunts in the world. I don't know why he's suddenly Richard Burton. <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. I can't do Christopher Lee. Um, but uh, yeah, so he he, get, he sets himself on fire, or Frank Stein sets him on fire, and then he, um, for no readily apparent reason, jumps through the the skylight and lands in the acid bath. And that's the only time yeah. he makes any noise is yeah. he screams as yeah. he falls into the acid bath. Yes, I like it. We we cut back to the priest, Frank Stein telling the priest because it's all flashback. Remember, uh, the priest is looking like bored, and this is rubbish. Um, and Frankenstein goes, half an hour later, there was nothing left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so no one believed that the creature was there because Paul, uh, in keeping with his uh, portrayal for the rest of the film, drops Frankie in it, doesn't he? Like, he does. Creature. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. at the point Paul arrives and Victor's, oh, yeah. I'm so glad you're here. You'll back up my story, won't you? Yeah. Nope. Nope. I'm off. I'm yeah. off. I've got Elizabeth outside. He, he says, yeah, he yeah. says, no, no, there was no creature. You're the one who killed Justine. Yeah. To be fair, he's not wrong. Mm. You know, if you push someone into a snake pit, you don't go, well, it was the snakes that killed him. Yeah. You, yeah. of course, so, yeah, I think even even with if, if they proved the creature was alive and existed, Frankenstein would still hang or be guillotined. Um, and it's quite, I always, for some reason, think that the final shot of the film is that guillotine coming down. I was waiting does, for it. I yeah. was waiting for it too, but it doesn't. I put money on it. It's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't come down. Now, of course, you know, this was a, a, a massive success, you know, yes. and then they followed it up with Dracula and then they had to come back to Frankenstein and they had, no, it's like, but he's been killed. But I think it, you could get away with it. You don't see him killed at the end no, of this. I quite, I quite like the way they get round it. Mm. It doesn't make a lick of sense, really, but I quite like it. Um, and it cements that Frankenstein is is now mad. Um, but yeah, this was a massive hit, wasn't it? This was huge. Yeah. Um, and we get the, the, the stories of people vomiting and passing out and fainting and being rushed to hospital after watching We had it. that with Alien, but we still yeah. don't know whether it's true no. or not. I think it's just a standard uh, cinema you know, tail, isn't it? Yeah. People were passing out in the aisles. Um, nowadays, of course, it seems immensely tame. Uh, I would happily let 10-year-olds watch this. I well, think. it's yeah. funny because as you're saying that, I'm going to go on Amazon and yeah. I'm going to type in Hammer Frankenstein and see what certificate it is now. It's got to be a PG now PG, or I maybe a 12. Yeah. You know, what do you reckon? Yeah. PG uh, or 12? I reckon PG. Hammer Frankenstein. There we go. It is Revenge of Frankenstein is a twelve. Yeah. Um, Curse of Frankenstein. Yeah, it's a twelve. 
Oh, it's 12. 12. Okay. But it was an I, well, it was an X then, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, X certificate. Um, yeah. Adults only. Uh, yeah, it's, um, you know, in a lot of the, a lot of the books you'll see the, the, you know, the, the cinema with the massive queues outside and, mm. Oh, and the fantastic the um, hoardings the hoardings these who had that job of designing them where were they made these things that you'd see on the London Pavilion and wherever and what happened to them afterwards I guess they were just put on a bonfire yeah yeah probably were burnt yeah yeah they were amazing amazing now you don't get anything you walk past the cinema ah local um, cinema front of house stills now we've got an excellent it is an excellent cinema our local one it's a showcase but you walk past you go in in the foyer, there, there's not even a quad frame. No, well, our our local cinema, because um, I, you know, part part of my job when I was a projectionist, uh, every Thursday you change the uh, you change the uh, canopy. Oh yeah, you used to uh, do that. Letters. No, we yeah, never did that. Yeah. No, we didn't have a good union. That was um, your stuff. Yeah, and uh, had to um, change all the posters, front of house stills, all the quads. Uh, our cinema now doesn't even have posters. They're all electronic. They just mm. have TV screens on the wall which show the posters and <laughs> do clips. Do you remember the readograph? Mm. That was the readograph that was called, where you hung the letters of the film along the canopy. Yeah, that's. Is that? I never knew that's what it was called. It was called, called a yeah, readograph. Readograph. That's what I used to. And we didn't have quite enough letters. For, yes. You know, I, oh, what was it? I can't yeah. remember the letters. Sometimes we didn't have enough letters. You'd yeah. have to break a certain letter to make, like. If you didn't have an N, you hung it sideways and broke yeah. the middle bit of an E off of it to get yeah, an N and yeah. things like that. You'd use uh, upside down threes as E's. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a U yeah, upside down for do an that, N. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, we, we were meant to have uh, uh, three of each letter in red and three of each letter in blue in two different sizes. And over the years, because they get broken and mm. get lost. Um, but... We ended up where, yeah, it was a mess sometimes. Again, who made those letters? I mean, I that's that's a gone trade industry, yeah. now. That industry's gone, isn't it? Readograph, letter Prince, maker. You never see Prince Charles, or King Charles uh, banging on about the people that made the acrylic letters. Yeah, yeah. You know. There we go. Yeah, if you're a new listener, listener, yeah, Ian and I do this. We go off on tangents, yeah. don't we? We do, uh, right, that's the film over. So we'll, we, we will now uh, talk about the actor. Well, yeah. what can you say about Christopher Lee? I, you know, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, do we need to say anything about Christopher Lee? Well, I mean, because we're going to keep coming back to him yeah. in, in on this show. Yeah, I, don't, I, I think, I think if if you don't know who Christopher Lee is, I'm not entirely sure why you're listening to this podcast. Mm. But I mean, there's plenty of stuff online as far as his background. How much of it you believe? Well, um, yes. It's it's weird that both Bela Lugosi and Christopher Lee both played Dracula, and both played the Frankenstein creature, and both had quite a tenuous grasp on Facts. remembering things. Yes, as yeah. they happen. So so with Christopher Lee, we get a lot of a lot of tales about him single handedly winning World War Two, but he yeah. can't tell you any details because it was top secret. <laughs> and it's like I'm sure he did. He definitely served in the war. I'm sure, but he, he had a, a way of exaggerating stuff. I mean, my favourite ever one is when he was filming Fu Manchu and he went across on the Hong Kong ferry every morning and all the Chinese people would talk to him in Chinese because they assumed that he was a Chinese man as opposed to uh, a, a white man with sellotape on his eyes. Um, yeah, I think he was, he was a very good raconteur. Um, 
But almost every interview I've ever seen him in, every clip, everything, no sense of humour whatsoever. No. Zero. Mm. You know, it's like that the, the famous one where uh, Peter Jackson was uh, filming the death scene of of uh, Saruman, uh, which he cut out and annoyed him. Um, where where Grimer plunges a knife into Saruman, Peter Jackson was saying to Christopher Lee, "Now um, make this noise when you think." And he Christopher Lee went, "Have you ever heard a man die with a knife wound? I have." I was like, I can imagine him saying that. Yeah. It's no sense of humour. No. But good actor. I, he, he did some absolutely memorable turns. But I don't think he was that versatile. I think rather like John Wayne, you got Christopher Lee. But here he is trying. He's, he's doing his best. Yeah. First yeah. film, he's got no reputation to fall back on. Um, at this point, he didn't have his, his agent that would cut his scenes down to nothing mm. uh, for the money. Um, so yeah, he's he's given it all, and I think this is a really good performance from yeah. him. Um, we have to also say on this show, you know, we're in no ways going to be chronological in the way no. we look at films. Ian and I are going to take it in turns in choosing yeah. our subjects. After we got the first two or three out of the way, it's down yeah. to me and Ian to choose one, it's and be much more loose, it won't it? be in chronological order. So it's going to be interesting to see. Because shortly we're going to be uh, voting on the creature, yes, yeah. its design and its effectiveness, etc., etc. So it's going to be interesting to see just where Christopher Lee sits on the list alongside other Christopher Lees. Yes, you know. Yeah, All I right. um, I the, the Frankenstein series they concentrated on Frankenstein himself, didn't they? Which was, you know, the total opposite of the Universal ones, mm. um, and I. I don't think it's I don't think it's given much away to say that Chris Lee's creature is the best of the Hammer <laughs> Frankenstein monsters. It all depends on the final tally because we're going to yes. do what we've done on our other shows. We get a <coughs> vote out of ten for the design, yeah. A vote out of ten for the effectiveness. Add the two together, divide it, and that gives us a final tally. Now, it could well be that there are some Frankenstein creatures where yes, the design better. is yeah. better than Christopher's, but we'll see that as we go along. Yeah. Uh, one thing we are doing with every actor when we're talking about an actor, because some of the uh, the uh, subjects aren't even human, you yeah. know, that we're going to be doing, be i.e. Yeah. Uh, quite a mass alien, uh, a dinosaur, yes. crab creatures, you know, but... When it's an actor, we do a hammer time. It's called hammer time, all right? Yeah. Um, and it's a tally of how many times that actor was in the hammer films, TV series, et cetera, et cetera, all right? Did you count up Chris Lee's? I did. I have wow. it here. His, just his hammer ones. And I think out the gate, we might have the champ because yeah. I'm thinking... you. I think Peter Cushion might. Peter Cushion, maybe, maybe, but... Most people, if you say to them, oh, a stalwart of Hammer that they used a lot, you think Michael Ripper, don't you? Yes, yeah. But the remit of this show, it's the bad guy or bad creature or whatever, uh, the antagonist of the film. And unless there's maybe a couple of, uh, um, um, you know, obscure thrillers, I can't think of one time where Michael Ripper was the villain. No. 
the well, main he might, villain. He might have been, yeah, he wouldn't have been the main villain. He might have been like a pirate or something. Oh, yeah, he's definitely a, a, a pi- yeah. Yeah, Pirates of Blood River. He's in that. Yeah. He's a pirate, you know. But, he, but yeah, he's, he's not. But he's, he's not, not the be main villain. villain. Well, and, maybe and, he is. Yeah, and Peter Cushion, other than Frankenstein, he pretty much was the hero each time. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you might be right. Yeah, it might yeah. be Chris Lee. So that's going to be interesting with this. Yeah. So, yeah, Christopher Lee might be the champ, and his uh, hammer time is 22. Wow. All right. That's pretty good. And have you seen all these? Let me ask you, have you seen all of these, right? Because uh, if not, you've got new Hammer films to watch, haven't you? Uh, Right. So first of all, yeah, this one, Curse of Frankenstein. Then, of course, Dracula. Yep. That was followed by The Hound of the Baskervilles. Yep. You've seen that? Got that, yep. (laughs) The Man Who Could Cheat Death. Uh... Is that Anton Difference? It is. Well? Um, yeah. No, I haven't seen that, I don't okay, think. Okay, that's a no. Uh, of course you've seen The Mummy. Yes, seen The Mummy. The Two Faces of Dr. Jekyll. Yes, seen that. Okay, The Terror of the Tongs. Don't think I've seen that. I was watching that this yeah. morning over breakfast. Really? Oh, my goodness. I the racism that in is, that uh, is <laughs> isn't that aged well. rather staggering. Uh, is taste... that a Sax Roma one or just unconnected? The what, sorry? Is that a Sax Roma Fu Manchu one or is that just No, no, it's unconnected. It's all about yeah. the Tongs, the Red Tong oh. Gang um, in Bombay. Uh, taste of Fear? Uh, taste of Fear. Isn't that the one you got it from CEX the other day? Uh, I think it's Fear in the Night. Oh, that's Fear in the Night, yeah. yeah. The Judy taste Jason of Fear. I think they have got Taste of Fear in CEX. I don't, I don't know that one. I don't all think right. I've seen it. Pirates of Blood River. Yes, in that one. And I love that film, yeah. you know, where you can't afford to actually put a yeah. ship out to sea. Yeah. Uh, the Devil Ship Pirates. It's in that one, yeah. Okay. The Gorgon. Yep. yep. Okay. Uh, Pat Trouton. Yep. Of course. She, she, you have seen. Yes. Dracula, Prince of Darkness. Yes. Yes. Rasputin, the Mad Monk. Yep. It's very good, isn't it? It's yep. been another good performance. Yep. The Devil Rides Out. Yeah. Great film. Love that one. I've never seen it. You never seen I've it. never That's seen really The Devil good. Rides Out. Isn't he a good guy in that? Yeah, he's. Uh, they were hoping it would start a series on him. He plays this sort of um, a cult investigator uh, who's also a gentleman, uh, rich guy. Yeah, he's really good. It's a good, good film. Well worth tracking down. There's a great Blu-ray on it. Okay. Um, Dracula has risen from the grave. Yep. Taste the Blood of Dracula. Yep. Scars of Dracula. Yep. Dracula AD 1972. So for Hammer, he made four Draculas in a row. No wonder he was getting... No, five, because yeah. the next is Satanic Rites of Dracula. Five Draculas in yeah, a row a, for Hammer. No wonder he was annoyed with it. Yeah. Uh, to the Devil, a daughter. Yes. Yeah. And the last one was The Resident, when Hammer came back. Uh, oh, no, yeah. It's 20... Yeah. What was it? 2011? Something like well, that. The Hilary yeah, Swank film, that. wasn't it? Any good? I never saw it. We didn't well, even that's, show that it. Sums it up, really, I think. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> right. So, after Hammer Time, it's Monster Facts. All right. So, yeah, it was down to Phil Leakey to come up with a new design for the creature yeah. that couldn't be anything to do with uh, the Boris Karloff original. Um, and there was many designs. There's lots of photos of all the different designs. Some are quite um, Island of Doctor Moreau animal-like, aren't they? Yes. Um, yeah. One that Christopher Lee said made him look like the Elephant Man because he had this big blob for a for, for a nose. Um, but yeah, the, the the actual final design, the reason why it looks quite crude and clumsy when you see close up photos, was 
it was it was just another potential tryout, and it was made out of mortician's oh, wax right. and rubber and cotton wool. Um, and uh, yeah, Phil Leakey was working on Christopher Lee uh, that day. Phone rings. It's Anthony Hines, the producer, saying we're doing a press launch at Brooks Wharf. This is in London. Brooks Wharf in London tonight. Get a move on. And yeah, so it's like right. This is going to have to do. So oh, wow. it, along goes Christopher with the makeup on. Luckily, the producers liked it, so they went. We, they went with it. And that's why it looks unfinished as it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, Phil Leakey did a lot of uh, of Hammer's special makeup effects and stuff like you know Quake Mass Experiment. That's really good. Um, I don't think this is his best work. No, he was it, no Jack Pierce, was he? No, or Roy Ashton. Roy Ashton came after him, and he 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 could really churn it out. But I don't. Yeah. I, I think it's a bit unfair on Phil because think, yeah. he wasn't finished. No. This wasn't a finished, you know, design. He was never happy with it as well. Yeah. He was Especially always rather if, embarrassed by it. If he had done quite a few, and every time he shows them, they go, "Oh no, do something else." Yeah, you probably not. This probably wasn't even one you put much effort into. No, and it looks like it. It does look like does joke look, shop scars, yeah. doesn't it? You know, it, the it eyes like nice. The sort, it looks like a Halloween costume. Doesn't yeah, it? I like the cataract eye. Yeah, the cataract eye is nice, and I do like his coat. He's, he's wearing a pea coat. <laughs> you would say like that. It, yeah. That cataract eye was um, supplied by yeah. a Harley Street specialist. Wow. Like, he, I don't know that how you do cost it. Probably more than Christopher Lee. Yeah. Um, I don't know how you take an impression of an eyeball, but he did. He took an impression yeah. of Christopher Lee's eyeball. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I don't know what would you use. Well, it's not plaster of Paris. Oh, no. No. Mm. Okay, no. so, here we go. Last, last thing then, we have to vote. Um, okay. Out of ten for the design of... Well, it's three versions of the creature, really, isn't it? You've got yes. the original, then you've got the shot in the eye, and then you've got the black-eyed, shaved head yeah. version. Are we just putting them all together as an overall? Yeah, an overall. I've um, got a number. Not not my favourite design of Frankenstein creature, um, especially because throughout, Frankenstein is going, uh, we want him to have a perfect, benign, lovely face. <laughs> yes. And what? No one's going to look at that and go. Oh, nice stitching there, yeah. Victor. Perhaps Frankenstein worked on the same uh, basis as the uh, producers of the film. They, he saw it and went, "Ah, it's not what I want, but that'll do." It'll do. Um, yeah, the design. I don't think it's great. It, uh, it it works with film, but I don't think it's a great design. Uh, I'm gonna. It's, it's the first one. I'm going to give it a very middle five. A five. <laughs> All right. I gave it a six. Yeah. So that's five and a half. And how effective is this um, first creature? It it works for the film. There's certain scenes, especially when he's in the forest where it's broad daylight. Well, in a, it's a studio forest, but uh, and you can just see, like you say, it looks like joke shop stuff. But when he's in the in the bandages, when it's long shots, when he, especially when he's uh, on the floor after having the brain altering surgery, it it looks it looks pretty good. So I'm going to go up to a seven for effect. Okay. Well, I went up to an eight because I was especially right. thinking when he's trying to throttle Victor, that yeah. that snarly face he's got. Okay. Yeah. What what did you go up to? A seven, did uh, you? A seven, yeah. All right. Okay. So that's seven and a half. All right. Now I whip out my trusty calculator, Ooh. as seen on all our shows. Um, we're far too old to work stuff out in our heads. Yeah. So that's six and a half. 
All right. Six and a half, okay. And in the grand tradition of our other shows, uh, we're going to put all our um, all our creatures, all our monsters, all our bad guys uh, in a caravan park right next door to Bray Studios. Yes. All right. So, so yeah, um, the uh, Curse of Frankenstein creature is in uh, caravan six and a half. Okay. Good. All right. Uh, one last thing before we go. Um, is it in your top ten? I thought we'd um, do our top tens on, on this yes, show as well. Yes, I think it, it will go in. It might it might drop down, it might fall off, but certainly it's a, it's a classic film. Uh, it's trend-setting. It deserves rightfully its place in history, and it's an enjoyable romp. Yeah, yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. So we'll both put them on our thing, so it's one yeah. of one at the moment, but uh, next time, will our next uh, subject... Uh, um, be on that and how high will it be on the final hammer tally because yeah. next time I thought you know we will uh, we will follow up with the follow up to Hammer's success with Curse of Frankenstein we're going to look at the first of their Draculas aren't we yes Dracula or, or horror, horror of Dracula, Dracula if you are an American listener yes so <clears throat> yeah join us for that it'll be Christopher Lee again again <laughs> so we, we won't have to talk about his uh, you know hammer tally um, but yeah, just where will his first version of the Dracula uh, sit along in uh, sit in the caravan park alongside his uh, first ever yes, Frankenstein? Frankenstein yes. Yeah, I think we'll have a bit more to discuss as far as obviously it's a much more famous novel, um, you know. So I think we'll have a lot to discuss on on Dracky Boy. Yes, Dracky Boy. All right. Well, it should be out in two weeks. So uh, join stuff. us next time for Dracky Boy. Nice one. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Ian. See you then. Bye-bye. Bye.